So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the first riot of the Luddites. Then on Tuesday, we unearthed the mad coincidence of the day two different Dennis the Menaces made their comic strip debuts. On Wednesday, the day the Spanish conquered the last Maya kingdom. Thursday was the day Colonel Sanders sued KFC. And on Friday, we recall how Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law made his name. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission... Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the suicidal seagull of F1 podcasts. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the podcast that right from the start will gently ease you into an escape road. Sounds rapier than I intended. (laughs) Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the podcast that condemns drink driving, but we're all having a Heineken. Oh, it's a lovely Heineken. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the only podcast that used to be married to Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, what are you bringing that up for? It's a bit painful. I've heard she married a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I'm Chi Grez, and today we look back at the Canadian Grand Prix, where we saw enthusiastic fans in strong coats watching numerous crashes into the prestigious Wall of Champions. As always in Montreal, there was a display of local wildlife. This year we had two seagulls chilling on the track. The Vettel blamed his misfortune on. No, Seb, it was your team deciding to give up your first position to change your absolutely fine tyres. Anyway, more on that to come. With me is a man who watched some paint dry this weekend. It's Terry Saunders. So, I'm not saying the race was dull, but I had to paint my bathroom walls this week after getting the rest of the bathroom done and the guy who did it was like George paint the walls and I was like no I'm too cheap for that I'll do it myself thanks and I spent all of Friday night sanding down the walls polyfilling the walls sanding down the polyfiller because I should have sanded it after cleaning the walls with sugar soap which isn't sugary or soapy and after two two and a half days of solid painting they look as shit as they did before <laughs> They're a different colour. No, it was white. Right. Now it's white. Is it actually white or is it some poncy colour? No, it's white. It was white with specks of mould. Now it's white. So it does look better. Um, there wasn't that much mould. <laughs> I could have just painted over the bits of mould and it would have looked about the same and spent three days less work. Was there any sort of feel of satisfaction once it was done? None whatsoever. Right. So None. you've wasted your weekend. I just hate my... If we are a computer simulation, I am I'm hating my entire life. This is I'm a syntax error. <laughs> and alongside him is a motoring journalist who this week has travelled the world and returned with all of its diseases. It's Phil Tromans. Thank you, Cheeky. Yes, hello everyone. I must apologise for my uh, subdued voice. Uh, I have been all over the place in the last couple of weeks. I We've went first of all to Slovenia Ooh. to drive the new Mercedes C63S Cabriolet. Went to fly back from Trieste. Apparently Munich's underwater. Went to Lufthansa and said, um, what's going on? My flight's been delayed to Munich. So I spent two hours in a taxi, went to Venice, uh, to fly from Venice to go to Frankfurt, and then I could fly back to England. 
got to Frankfurt, missed my flight. Somehow during this time, and again having had about four hours sleep, I managed to pick up every single disease carried by every single person who went through either of these airports and I've got back and I've been ill since last Thursday. So you've got Ebola and Zika. Yeah, I've got I've got a shrunken head and <laughs> and my organs are liquefying themselves. And you brought them all to the pub. Yeah, yep. so I decided to come and see you guys and breathe into this communal microphone. But was it worth it? I mean I really enjoyed all the driving aspects. I could have done without the best part of 48 hours arsing around an airport. I mainly blame Lufthansa because they operated both flights and just didn't tell us anything. So if you're listening, Lufthansa, fuck you. So let's start with the stories you've been talking about in this Listener's Corner. The big story of the race was the tussle at Turn 1 between Hamilton and Rosberg, which saw Nico forced off the track. Was it a racing incident? Or is Hamilton the villain here? Andrew says it was a racing incident because he oversteered. Exactly the same thing happened in Austin last year. Rosberg needs to learn that Hamilton keeps doing it. Yes, Hamilton keeps doing it, and then Rosberg does it as well. They, they're just bumping it. They're just bumping uglies. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm they agreeing. They clearly like each other. Um, <laughs> they're tickling a lot, hoping it's going to become a kiss, and we're not sure yet. No, they're going to quite make a move. But one day, they'll just end up in the gravel trap together. I mean, entwined uh, in each other's overalls, their hands devices oh, flying. Jesus. <laughs> In no. Monaco, didn't Rosberg move out the way? Um, yeah, that was kind of different there. That wasn't in a racing, a race for one corner. That was because the team said, get out of the way, you're shit and slow. I mean, the closest I'd equated to would be at uh, Barcelona, where Rosberg went to go around the outside so he could get an inside line for the next corner, and it worked really well until two corners later when they crashed into each other. And I think he thought he was going to try the same thing again, go around the outside of turn one or whatever it was to go the inside of turn two, but he, there was no room there. And, I mean, Hamilton wasn't going to give him the space, was he? Well, Matthew Restiano says Rosberg should have turned in on Hamilton instead of taking the escape road. He would have got Hamilton on the inside of T2. Well, I mean, that's what I think he was trying to do. But in, in order to, for that to work, Hamilton would have had to let him go there. And, and as Hamilton was pretty much ahead in terms of having the line into the corner, why, why would he? I wouldn't. And luckily there was no walls, we just took to the escape, uh, escape I road. think when Hamilton hit Rosberg, or Rosberg hit Hamilton, I'm not saying who did who hit who, but when they bumped, I think that's when Rosberg backs out, because he he's just remembers the meeting with Toto Wolff the week before, and he's like, I don't want to get in trouble again, I really didn't like it, I wet my pants. It's pure fear. <laughs> yeah. V511 says, catchy, just a normal first corner racing incident. If it wasn't Hamilton and Rosberg, nobody would be talking about it. Well, yeah. let's not talk about it then. Oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> so on a slightly deeper note, what is the future of F1? Sir Martin Sorrell, one of the F1 board members, gave an interview where he said he wants to see more virtual reality, more races in far-flung new places, and views it more as entertainment than sport. Marty Fullard said, I've been an F1 fan for 25 years and consider myself very well educated on the sport. For example, I can recall every driver number from 96 to present and can name every world championship from 1950 to present. In order, in 20 seconds. But who the hell is Martin Sorrell? Well, firstly, I feel a challenge coming on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I calling bullshit name, on Martin's claims. I can name every world champion from 1980, easy. He said 50. Yeah, well, fuck him. I reckon... <laughs> I reckon... I can name 
every driver number and driver uh, this year. <laughs> Just, yeah, What's Rio Harianto's driver number? Oh, God, they've all changed numbers, haven't they? Because they've all got their own numbers. It's not even like a guesswork. 99, yeah. that was Adrian Sutil. It's not, it's not what I asked. 44, no, that's Lewis, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Terry, I mean, you really shouldn't do this. Yeah. You cannot challenge. You've painted yourself into a corner, and like then you've sanded I... off the corner, and you've painted yourself into it again. <laughs> this is anyway. like whenever I get into a fight, I'm like, I'll fight them all. Oh, shit. <laughs> now we've finished being aggressive, back onto the topic. Who is Martin Sorrell? Well, I can tell you, actually, uh, technically, he's my boss. Because oh. the company I'm working for at the minute is owned by a company who's owned by a company who was owned by Martin Sorrell's company. So, technically, uh, yeah, he pays my wages at the minute. So, uh, I totally agree. <laughs> so Everything this, he says. So, so, just to clarify, he is the CEO of WPP, which is a massive advertising public relations company. Yes. He's the big boss, but he also sits on the F1 board and advises F1 on how to best promote itself. Yes. So he's got all these glorious, glorious ideas about how to get the F1 brand to astounding new places like... Well, I think the, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, what F1 needs is a bunch of old white men telling us what to do. Because I, I feel more comfortable that way. It's the way it's always been. Why change yeah. it? How do you feel about the fact that it is just an entertainment, not a sport, though? It is, though. I agree with that totally. To be fair, I think that's totally right. Because who gives a shit about... GP2 or Formula 3 or all those other ones no one cares you know sometimes they're on and you go oh I might watch this but you don't and no one gives a shit Formula 1 is where it's at there's nothing else it's entertainment F1 does need to get its uh, to get its name out there and it, God knows it could be better at social media and promoting itself and all that kind of stuff but Sorrel's talking about sort of bringing in virtual reality as yes, a key I'm thing a, which is all that. very weird that's going to really? be amazing. Uh, are you not just... I, I mean, I like the idea of virtual reality for playing Gran Turismo or something, but it'd be like 3D TV, surely. Who's going to sit down and put a helmet on to watch a race? I'll tell you something. You're not a driver. This genuinely happened to me this morning. I was in bed, trying to get up, and I was a bit tired. Put Facebook on my phone, and the Williams F1 Facebook page had put up a 360 video of a pit stop. So it's a video where you can move your phone around, and because it's filmed at all 360 degrees, when you move your phone around, you see different aspects as if you were really there that's right cool. but the problem with it is i was lying in bed and i turned it and i've never used one of these three easy videos before i don't want to sound like an old man but i looked up and i could just see the pit lane and i was like that's quite cool and i turned a bit to the left and went oh the bit to the right that's good and i heard all this noise and i turned and i realized the pit stop was happening behind me and i'm lying in bed and my bed's next to a wall so at like eight o'clock this morning I'm turning around, I try to crane my head against the wall. I haven't got enough space to get a good angle. By the time I get the right angle, I've missed the pit stop. Well, in fairness, <laughs> Williams do very fast pit stops. Yeah, so. it's really quick. So imagine that. On a Sunday afternoon, you put your helmet on and Formula 1 starts and you can just kind of just watch everything as if you're there. I don't like the idea of that at all. I mean, what happens, as, as many Formula 1 fans do, I like to sit and watch Formula 1 on my sofa Surrounded by numerous timing screens and, and Twitter and but all this stuff. Timing screens could be in your eyes. While I'm <laughs> stuffing stuff into my face. You can still do that. It's going to be more difficult. Though. How am I going to re how am I going to figure out where my where my my have local to wait regional till food Max is? Max Verstappen takes off a, a, a visor strip and just time it at the same time and like om eat a sandwich. Bam, <laughs> Cheetos. I worry that he is thinking far too little about the racing. I hope there's somebody within F1 
sort of diluting this a little bit with like, yeah, but it's still a sport. It's still the racing. I don't want it to uh, become like WWE. No, I think it should be. It should be. A, it should be a double strand, shouldn't it? There should be people tackling with the racing and making the racing great, but there should be another strand of people wholly unconnected who are making the coverage amazing. Yes, I mean in theory that's how it should be. Yeah. It should be like in a magazine where you have editorial and you have advertising, and never the twain shall meet. Yes. In theory, I'm worried by this. I think there's there's ideas that could work, and I'm not averse to going to new tracks, but I don't think we should lose the traditional ethos of what Formula One is all about, and, which and is the, the best drivers in the best cars. The competitiveness. If it's just entertainment, then maybe it wouldn't be as competitive. Well, I think you'll find the X Factor is quite competitive, and as is The Apprentice. Yeah, who the fuck watches The X Factor anymore? Um, four people? I mean, 4.1 million people? Dennis, that probably is more than what you have one at the moment. Okay, a major change at Montreal was the colour scheme. There was a lot more green around because of the big new sponsor of F1 generally, Heineken. Not that everybody's keen though. No, indeed. There's been some uh, since this happened, and Heineken put their logo all over the uh, all over the track, and there's been uh, anti-drinking lobbies. But the other signs they've got around the track are Bernie Eccleston's passion, which is no drinking and driving. Well, it's not exactly that. Uh, and in fact, I need, to, I need to take a slight issue. Uh, Terry, are you still having your driving lessons? Yes, I am. I can't help noticing that you've got a pint of beer. Yes, I have. Because if you remember the signs from this weekend's Canadian Grand Prix, yes. if you drive, never drink. So oh, unfortunately yeah. now, because you drive, can't drink. That's, it's true. It's the Never. first sign on the theory test now. Have you ever had a drink? <laughs> Whoever writes the inspirational messages that go up around the track on F1, it's just useless. It's like this. What was the one before? Bernie says, "Think before you drive." <laughs> Think what? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. This, is, this doesn't mean if you drink, never drive. It doesn't make any sense. And the, the one when Justin Wilson died. Did you see that one? Oh no, go on. There yeah. was one where they just on the grid they projected with the sort of computer-generated thing that said. Sorry we lost Justin Wilson, the indie racer. That makes it sound like they've misplaced him. Exactly. <laughs> and just like, if in case you help, why they called it. him the indie racer? He was an F1 driver as well. Alan David says, if part of the deal involves putting race highlights or pretty much any form of coverage on a cheap app, that means I don't have to pay a fortune for Sky Sports, then I'm all for it. Well, this is the big thing about this, is that actually... Heineken are coming in as a brand new type of sponsor and they're going to have different ways of watching whether it will be virtual reality a Heineken app and this is why Sky have managed to get locked into this contract and Channel 4 have gone because I think Heineken are going to be the main free-to-air broadcasters so this could make a big difference I think it will I would like to see small screens installed in the bottom of pint glasses so the only way to watch for free is just to bring the pint glass up drain all the pint in it but yep. never drive. But never <laughs> drive. So that's what we think. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For f one sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S. And you can do this if you like. You can email us at wrong at FF1S.com. Right, it's time for the teams. Starting off with Mercedes. Let's talk about how Montreal was a head-in-hands race for Rosberg and a two-fingers-up at the guy with his head-in-his-hands race for <laughs> Hamilton. He gave Rosberg a metaphorical bitch lap. Terry, I need you to, uh, to recite this bit of the interview, please. Well, this is tricky, because what accent does Nico Rosberg have? All, of, it, all of the accents. Yeah, I mean, he's technically German with a Finnish father, but has lived in Monaco all his life. So I'll just do... 
privileged white man, if that's okay. Uh, he was very aggressive and he ran me off the road with a collision. Oh, 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 what's that? It's a silver spoon in my mouth, making me difficult to talk. <laughs> and then he zoomed on, knocking Rosberg's lead of 43 points to nine to win his fifth Canadian Grand Prix. Yay, what things, a great race. Things got worse for poor Nico when he couldn't overtake Verstappen. He blamed it on engine overheating and maybe saving fuel. He's 12 years younger than you, Rosberg. You flake out when things start going wrong, and the slow puncture you had is representative of your chances of being world champion. Jesus, you're not Ooh. holding back today. I know, I know, I really went for it then, sorry. This is God. vitriol towards Rosberg we've never seen from you before. <laughs> that would be a great thing if at the end of the season, Peretti just gifted him that tyre with a slow puncture. <laughs> so this, this is how your season went. It's not just your season, it's your career. <laughs> you just rolled it down the pit lane towards them and walked off. So what did you think about Mercedes' performance this weekend? Uh, ooh, well, I'm sure we'll touch on this uh, when we talk about Ferrari, but I thought they were a little bit lucky to get away with that because I think you could make the very reasonable argument that, Ms., uh, that Ferrari should have won, specifically Vettel. Yes. Obviously not Raikkonen because he's shit, but... I mean, they did all right. Qualifying, they did well. They've got to sort their, their clutch problems out for the start. Their starts were horrendous, weren't well, they? Well, I mean, they weren't brilliant. I mean, Vettel's was amazing. So like, good. the single greatest start I've ever seen. Vettel basically got a start that you get on Mario Kart if you press the button at the right moment. I reckon <laughs> Ferrari have installed that button. They've just got a, an old an old N64 <laughs> controller on his wheel, and if he just he keeps pressing it... Oh! Well, he has been sounding particularly Italian in recent races, so maybe it's just like, it's a me! Hey. <laughs> Big moustache in the next race. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he's dropping seagulls and bananas out from behind his car and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, they need to sort their clutch out. But, I mean, Montreal's a track that's quite difficult to overtake on with the, with the exception of the straight. And even then, only if you've got DRS because it's such a slow corner coming out of it. I think they might count themselves a little bit lucky. Oh, totally. Because what they've learned this race is that their car isn't very good when it's in traffic. I reckon by the end of the year there's going to be at least two other teams that are exactly the same speed as them, which would make for a very interesting 2017 when they wipe all the rules and start again. Exactly. They <laughs> totally ruined it. So... Is, is there any chance that... Sorry, I just interrupt. Is there any chance that they could turn that around? Who could turn what around? They could say, do you know what, actually we'll keep the rules the same. I would, no, I don't think, no I think that too many people will have put too much money into developing stuff for next year. And if they yeah. suddenly say, ah, no, you're all right. <laughs> you know all those bits you just spent millions developing? <laughs> Chuck them, stick on eBay. <laughs> yeah, because there'll be like teams like Williams going, but we've already made our car. We didn't even bother with this year's car. Did you guys see the interview with Rosberg after the race where he swore? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, I wasn't God. even swearing, but yeah. This was amazing. So... This was on Sky, wasn't it? was it? on Sky. They asked him about the, the first corner thing, and he went, oh, you know, I was really pissed off with it, but then I carried on, and he talked a bit. And the reporter just said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to apologise for the language, which is, you know, a very standard TV thing. I'm going to have to apologise if anyone got offended. And then Rosberg got really weird about it. He went, oh, no, no, what, what did I say? He said, well, you said a word I can't say again. Oh, right, well, um, I can apologise for myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I caused any You don't offense. need to apologise for me. Yeah, you don't need to apologise for me. I can apologise for myself. I'm a big boy. I can drive a car and everything. Do you know what? I just... Love me, Dad. Yeah, it does feel like Rosberg has just got issues that I've never really felt. I mean, I'm almost feeling uncomfortable taking the piss out of him. Not that uncomfortable, <laughs> but enough to be like... I think he just needs a hug. Right, let's talk about Ferrari. <coughs> Ferrari's performance last weekend was filled with mysteries. One, what was Raikkonen doing? Taking in the view? He was a whole minute behind Vettel, despite that fact that he started off all right. And his explanation was, it was not an easy race. 
Number two, Ferrari took Vettel out of the lovely clear track with clean air to make him pit. Why? Three, Vettel lost due to Ferrari's strategy cock-ups, but he wasn't in a humongous rage about it and even said he lost due to Hamilton's great driving. What do you think? Um, uh, Ferrari threw it away. They had a race win, they put it in the bin, they went empty recycle bin and shut down their computer. <laughs> <laughs> went to the pub. Yeah. They totally fucked up. Ferrari, in the Ross Braun years, they were the kings of strategy. Like They would have a car that wouldn't be able to win a race and Ross Braun would be able to go, pit now, refuel now, all of a sudden we're in the lead. Now they've got like the exact opposite of that. They just go, we're in the lead, we can win easily by doing nothing. There's a virtual safety car. Quick, let's pit him. Why? Because I've seen other people pit under safety cars. And I don't understand why, but it seems to be a good thing. Well, I mean, in theory, it could have given them a bit of an advantage in the, you know, if you pit under a safety car or a virtual safety car, you you lose less time in the pits. But but it stopped th- halfway through. Well, A, yes, that's that was a bit of a downside, so they didn't get as much out of it as maybe they thought they would. And also... Uh, Montreal's a track where you don't want to give up track position because it's really important because it's hard to overtake. And also, you do that kind of thing if you're running maybe fourth or fifth and you want to gamble for a podium or a win. When you're in the lead, you go, yeah. do you know what? Everything's fine. It's like, it's like balancing a full pint glass. You don't suddenly go, I tell you, good idea to do a little jig now. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we saw uh, how difficult it is to get past with, with Verstappen against Rosberg. And, and I don't believe for a second that if, uh, if Vettel put his mind to it, unless he had really problems with his tyres and just had disastrous exits out of the, the hairpin, that he couldn't have kept Hamilton behind for quite a lot of the race. Because the, the Ferrari upgrades that they have this race seem to have worked really well because they had a new turbo and some new fuel, and they were they were quick. I mean, even in qualifying, Vettel was, what, 0.1 off the Mercedes? And obviously you got this amazing start. You, you've, it's hard to reach any other conclusion than, than they fucked it up again. But this isn't the first time that Ferrari have messed it up. Oh, it's it's getting, they're getting really good at it. Like we had, we had obviously this race. We've had Spain um, with the racing or ping pong, and we've had Australia with their unique tyre plans. It's like when will they learn? Where where Williams keep winning the DHL fastest pit stop award that no one cares about? It's almost like Ferrari have won the UPS unnecessary fuck up award. Admittedly, Red Bull got it at the last race, but <laughs> so far. I don't think it's been cruel to UPS. I mean, who <laughs> yeah. don't we like? The Lufthansa, yeah. We should call it the fucking Lufthansa cock-up award. Fuck you, Lufthansa. Okay, Williams. Let's imagine F1 as the sort of viewing we're exposed to in day-to-day life on our screens. In terms of entertainment value this season, Mercedes would be Game of Thrones, Ferrari would be Poldark, Red Bull would be Call the Midwife, and Williams would be the homes under the hammer of Formula One. However... At this Grand Prix, they got themselves a primetime slot with Bottas' performance. He was pretty much faultless. The team got the strategy right, and we got our first glimpse of Williams on the podium since Monza last year. What has happened? Well, my interpretation from uh, numerous sources, i.e. the internet, uh, is that because Williams have been having problems with their tyres overheating in previous races, their tyres go off really quickly and everything's shit. The Montreal race was really cold, so to have tyres that take a while to get up to temperature um, was a benefit to them. And, you know, they basically, they, it's 
the cold to ambient temperature and the cold track temperature stopped them overheating their tyres and they got Mercedes power in the back and they were super quick and, and Bottas is a good driver and they stayed out of trouble with it. We didn't see a great deal of them in the race, did we? No, it was... It, I got a bit bored in the middle, but I don't remember seeing a great... For me, it was one of those things where whenever you saw him in third, you go, oh, he must have to have a pit stop in a minute, bless him. <laughs> he's just... He's in the... You know, he's doing well, but we know he's going to have to... Pit. Oh, oh no. Oh, he's actually he's still there. Well. It was like Perez the other day. Yeah. Well, we thought any minute now, something's going to happen. He's going to drop down. But because he's doing well in on the cold, are you saying that in the next race in Azerbaijan won't be as good? Well, I think we all know what to expect in Azerbaijan. The unexpected. <laughs> uh, I've got no idea. <laughs> I'm, absolute, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Azerbaijan sounds hot. I have no idea what to uh, <laughs> what to expect in Baku at all. So, uh, yeah, no idea. That's what they base their tyre choices on. <laughs> How hot does it sound? I didn't even know it was in Europe. Apparently, geographically, it is in Europe. I got a call from the Paul Hembry of Peretti the other day. He went, Terry, <laughs> Azerbaijan, what do you reckon the weather's going to be like? <laughs> oh, it sounds like it might be hot. <laughs> Oh, we'll, do, we'll use the ultrasofts, all right. It's got a Z and a J in it. Right, okay, Red Bull. Now, this week, I'm going to say reasons why you'd want to be Verstappen. Number one, you provided 10 laps of the most exciting racing this season. Two, and you held Rosberg off. Three, your teammate is in his prime and couldn't keep up. And four, you gave an adorable interview at the end. And then reasons why you wouldn't want to be Ricardo. One, you had yet another painfully slow tyre change. Two, Verstappen was told to move out of the way for you, but couldn't keep up. Three, you were stuck behind Raikkonen for most of the race. Four, nobody's using pictures of you smiling for press shots anymore. Should we start with Verstappen? Okay, Terry, you know you I hate don't him. like I, Verstappen yeah. very much. You know that I think he's a dick. Um, <laughs> That last few laps were amazing. <laughs> the way that must have been a bit of a, a bit of a, a dilemma for you because I was a bit of Verstappen, but it's Rosberg. It was basically the European referendum in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I, I don't really like either side, <laughs> but I'm going to have to choose. Um, the way he made Rosberg look ordinary, and the way, like with DRS in a Mercedes, I think Rosberg should have actually been able to overtake him relatively easily once he got to that point. That you would the, think on a that, ridiculously long straight yeah, against that, a Renault engine. And Sorry, somehow, like in the commentary, you always hear these things, you've got to put the car in the right position, you've got to block the track, all this stuff that you always hear, but actually never seems to work because they just fucking overtake. And Verstappen did it. And he did it every time. To the, and just when Rosberg spat at the end, it's just like that made me go, out of my seat. So, you know. Well, depending on your uh, approach to uh, racecraft, it was either a masterful bit of defensive driving or it was outrageous blocking but either way it worked yeah uh, and it was perfectly legal within the rules and I thought yeah I thought it was really impressive from Verstappen for because people who are quick they don't always have the nous as well to be able to cope in that kind of situation to be able to cope with the pressure to be able to have the presence of mind at those kind of speeds with with a Mercedes all over the back of you to place the car in the right place I thought he did really well and uh, I was a little bit surprised that Rosberg lost it if I'm honest yeah I wonder if that's symptomatic of his season again Along with the slow puncture. So what do you think of Ricardo's weekend? I think he should be careful what he says, because he bitched about the team all week. Mm. Again. And then in the pit stop, they accidentally on purpose fucked up his tyre. And I think if we had a 360 camera angle, you'd see the one mechanic at the front just like staring him out going, yeah, say it again, say it again. Sitting, standing like, there with his middle finger a, up. Flicking a fag butt in his cockpit going, oh, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a bit of a tough time at the moment, isn't he? And I don't... 
I mean, we've always said we want drivers to be a bit more expressive about their opinions. I wonder if Ricardo's team fucked up again approach might, yeah. might come back to bite him. Because one thing you noticed about um, about Fettel at the end of the race, even though you could say that the, the team balls his chances up, not you know he was all very professional about it, and he was like, no, I wouldn't change anything. We live together, die together, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be having words with him behind the scenes, but he is. He's, the, he's at one with the team. Totally. Uh, and it seems like Ricardo m might start making enemies at, uh, at Milton Keynes. So, do you think, Ricardo, this could be Ricardo's last season at Red Bull? I think it's too early to tell. I think he'll be there next year, mm. but I think him and his manager are. Uh, Knocking around every, Canvassing knocking every door, yeah. I think they're yeah. trying to get out. I mean, the, the, the car is getting good, so you, you, you want to be in a good car. Do we think Verstappen's rattling him? Obviously. Yes. Of course he is. Because uh, Ricardo's outqualified him so far in every race, I think, since Verstappen came in. Only two. That's only is it only three, two? Uh, I've lost three count. races. No, yeah, well, anyway. Uh, I reckon Ricardo gave Kvyat a wedgie every day, and he was just like, you know. There's a bit of a bit of banter, and he was just like, you know, all right, mate, you're shit. All right, mate, you're shit. All right, mate, you're shit. And Verstappen's come in and gone, all right, mate, you're shit. Flicked a fag in his cockpit. Gives him a wedgie. Okay, Force India. I think the best way to describe Force India's weekend is through uninspiring adjectives such as good, adequate, and fair. I mean, they both came home with points, and Hulkenberg looked after his tyres and Perez managed to overtake Kvyat and Alonso. But do you think they were pleased with that? The problem with Perez, for my money, is that he only does well when he does his little trick of going, I'm only going to have one stop and I'm going to keep the tyres really good. And, that's what, and he tried to do it in this race. And it's just like, and the thing is, when it works, he's a hero because he's on the podium. When it doesn't work, on lap 50, he's pitting because he's really knackered and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, there's something about his one way of attacking every single... It's just the, it's the same way that I play pool. Hit every ball really hard, and eventually some will go in. What about Hulkenberg? Oh, what about Hulkenberg? Just finished eighth, qualified ninth. Can't honestly say I noticed him in the race, although in fairness, I was dying through a lot of it. So, all right. Well, let's go into McLaren. So as always, I'm going to do the good things and the bad things that happened. So Alonso was agonisingly slow. But he knew that and made sure he pulled to the side to let others pass. His race strategy meant that he was extremely well prepared for rain, but it didn't rain. He did ask for new tyres for the last few laps, but the team ignored him. Button had an engine fire, but kept his safety training in mind, stayed calm and pulled over at the gate where he was easily accessible. So McLaren had a fairly shocking weekend, but they're teaching these young drivers manners. I mean, that's scraping the barrel. <laughs> for it just linings. feels like when they signed with Honda, they should have said, right, we're not going to compete for the next two years. We're just going to sit back here and make a great car, unencumbered by token rules and stupid shit. We're just going to go away. We're going to come out of the championship so that we can test when we like. We're going to come back in 2017 with a shit-hot fucking car. Because actually what they've done is just embarrass themselves. Mm. Just what's the point? Why? Is it the cars? Are you saying it's not the drivers, it's the cars? Well, the driver, well, it's definitely not Alonso. He's still got it. I mean, I'll be I, I can't believe that they're both giving as much as they would if they had a potentially championship winning car. Where they'd yeah, be trying okay, to wring every single little thing out of it. And then, I mean, 
surely, even with the best will in the world, there must be an element of, oh, for fuck's sake. This is, <laughs> we're not going to get anywhere. What's the fucking point? I mean, did you hear Alonso on the radio when they tried to bring him in? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, no, no, stay out. Just in case anything happens, we might get a point. And he went, one point? Oh. Well, the funny thing with Alonso, he's registered as an Uber driver. So he was, he was just stopping around the track, giving people lifts. <laughs> okay. Hey, yes. Hey, yes. Yes. Okay, a fairly bleak result for them. Grosjean, you're not skipping off to Ferrari anytime soon if you carry on like that. In 2012, you came second in Canada. This year, you came 14th. Grosjean claims that Haas can't deal with cold weather, but they are from North Carolina, mate. Gutierrez is a charming man with strong eyebrows, but has now finished 30 races without a single point. What has happened? A few races ago, we were getting properly excited about these guys. Is it really 30 races for Gutierrez yeah. without a point? That's dreadful. Yeah, they're having problems, aren't they? They, they just can't seem to... Yeah, they uh, just had a bit of beginner's luck, didn't they? They, were they just can't seem like, to figure out what the issues are. Have you ever been to a casino and you win your first game? And you're like, no, I've never done that. Then you just lose your house. This is what <laughs> this is like. He might be off to NASCAR, though, for a bit. That's a slight aside. They're talking about what, sending... Grosjean, 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 NASCAR. Grosjean off to NASCAR, possibly by the end of the year. I mean, might as well talk, or just for a guest No, 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 just for a, for a guest drive. We might oh, as well talk about that rather than their race result because that was fairly boring. But that'd be fun, something to do, you know. A, fr a Frenchman in NASCAR, be like Talladega Nights. I thought he was going up to, you know, Ferrari. be Mercedes next year. Think, the thing with the Ferrari seat is no one can understand why Raikkonen is still driving for Ferrari. <laughs> except for the fact, well, I've got to mention this earlier. Did you see the clip before the race on the Sky thing and he was like racing Martin Brundle in a Ferrari oh, yeah. and now Phil you can drive and you've driven sports cars was this cool he turned the steering wheel all the way around with one hand and then shifted up with his left hand yeah uh, with his left hand well if he'd have kept his hand in the right position he would have been shifting yeah, down yeah but he didn't because he's cool he's a Formula 1 driver he's Kimi Raikkonen I mean that's not necessary so he that's, pulled, that's not what you're taught to do no so he pulled the steering wheel all the way around to say 2 o'clock with his left hand yeah. Yeah. like you know kind of gangster like uh, must be the money <laughs> <laughs> it's good timing <laughs> copyright be damned it was fine and um, he changed up with his left hand so his left hand was on the right side of the wheel and he changed up but was the wheel facing straight he wasn't turning the wheel. No, he's turned the wheel. He turned. Because then he his left hand right. would have been on the, the left hand paddle. Is the change down paddle? Yeah, no, no. But does these does hand gestures are coming over very well on an audio podcast? On. Aren't Doesn't they? the paddle stay in the same place? And the wheel turns. Uh, oh, now that is a good question. It varies from car to car. I think in this and car, I haven't driven the uh, a Ferrari eight nine four. So yeah, it's <laughs> I've not driven the four eight eight, so I'm not sure. I can't so remember. I'd have to check. I'm pretty sure. Hang on. Pretty sure he turned the wheel and the the, the up. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And I find that unbearably cool. And I think that is the only reason he's got a Ferrari drive next year. Is someone at Ferrari went, fuck me, that's cool. <laughs> Phil is uh, live Googling the Ferrari 494. It's the 488. 488 GTB. Can't tell. Can't <laughs> tell from the picture he's found. Uh, in conclusion, uh, maybe. Great. There we go. Right. <clears throat> Toro Rosso. In Q2, it looked like all of his chances were up where Sainz crashed into the wall of champions. Badly named. He then got a five-place grid penalty for changing the gearbox, but he charged from 20th to 9th and he was on a two-stop strategy. This is the guy we keep forgetting how good he is. Could he go to Red Bull soon? No. No, he won't go to Red Bull, I don't think. Because there's... I mean, well, who would he replace? Ricardo's going. Is he? I've decided. He's going. <laughs> somewhere, I'm not sure where. 
and then Sainz will go up and join Verstappen. If Ricardo goes, yeah, he could do, but I don't think Ricardo's going to go. I don't think Verstappen's going to go. You know, Verstappen's not a young Red Bull driver. I didn't know that. Well, he's not part of the academy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Because it's this whole thing that Verstappen is just like, you know, we had to up, upload people from different but Apparently, yeah. Him and his dad joined the Red Bull Young Academy like last year because there was uh, he, he was going to go to Ferrari. And then Red Bull said we might take you, but can you sign this? Then he hasn't been. He, he's not a young driver. I oh, didn't know that. Someone's. Uh, We've got to stop bringing up GPS. Phil is uh, Wikipediaing Max Verstappen now. If he's on Wikipedia, it's true. My, uh, he joined. Uh, it says here that he joined uh, in 2014 after yeah. testing uh, for Renault 3.5. So that's pretty so he, shitty. So he, he is part of the junior team. Yeah, but only... But in, I mean, in fairness to... But he to started it, in 2015, so that's like them going... Yeah, right, in fairness, he only drove a single-seater car for the first time in 2014. Oh, for fuck's Before that, sake. he was in karting. So... <laughs> oh, well, in fairness to him, he, he was only on solids in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about Signs? Signs is great. He's been looked over all year because Max Verstappen is, according to you guys, better. And, it's and now difficult he's, to see where he's going to go. Well, he, the, he, yeah, who knows? He's going to go to Formula E like all the other Toro drivers, clearly. But <laughs> I'd like to see him in a, in a good car in F1. At the minute, he's up against Daniel Kvyat, who <coughs> I think has the Lufthansa award for the most depressed driver ever in Formula 1. Yes! Fuck you, Lufthansa. Yeah, I mean, Kvyat, I think, is gone. He's just... He's, he's a broken man. The only yeah. time he smiled was when Sainz crashed. <laughs> right, Renault. We didn't think we'd see Magnussen in the race after his crash in P3 but his team worked night and day to get him there. He then shoved into NASA at Turn 1. Palmer hasn't got any better. Palmer is what under pressure. Where did they finish? Palmer, Palmer didn't, didn't finish. finish. Magnussen 16th, qualified 20, 22nd. Palmer, I did think, is under a lot of pressure. There's a he's lot of stuff. not performing well at all, is he? Yeah, it's like he's... The car's shit. I know the, they know the car's shit. Magnussen's doing all right with the car under the circumstances. Palmer's just... I mean, he, he retired because of a water leak. It's not his fault he retired this race, but he is just not responding at all. And well, he's been outclassed by, largely outclassed by Magnussen. Whenever yeah. Magnussen doesn't have a problem, he makes Palmer look a bit ordinary. Yeah. Um, it's and that crash that Magnussen had was pretty impressive. It was actually. Yeah. It was. Did the stewards say anything about that? Yeah, they said. They Fuck me, that was impressive. <laughs> crash is really impressive. <laughs> right, Sauber. If oh. Ericsson was in a good car, he would have done really well in Montreal. Except he wasn't. He was in a Sauber. NASA had an unfortunate weekend, partly because of the crash with Magnussen, but mainly because he had the most miserable face for miles. However, Sauber are expecting upgrades soon. Do you think Ericsson could ever get a team promotion? Not this right. I mean, if you were in the mar if you had a team and you were in the market for a new driver, would Ericsson be on your list? He drove really well this weekend. Okay, would he be on your list? If you made a, sh a, wish, a wish list of the drivers you wanted in your team, well, that's easy. The wishes would be Nigel Mansell. <laughs> what? He's busy. All right, I'll have that other guy, Max Verstappen. <laughs> but if we remember, Naz's debut drive for Sauber was last year, and he came fifth in the Australian Grand Prix. What has happened since then? The car is shit. They have no money. It's basically held together with gaffer tape. They're basically just, just shit. I don't know what their upgrade is going to be. Maybe it's better gaffer tape. Um, right, so Manor. Pascal Verlaine had a good race. If you take into account, he had floor damage right at the start of the race, and he was driving a Manor. There was a chance he could have beaten Mazza, but had a slow pit stop, and he had to let all the other drivers lap him. Harrianto hit the wall in Q1. 
Could this be due to the fact that he was observing Ramadan? Well, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, the Ramadan been. thing was... Um, I did read this in the mirror, which is my go-to no, for F1. Totally true. He was fasting for Ramadan. And there was a there was a kind of press release saying he's fasting. You know, it's an interesting little kind of news story. But then in another unrelated press release, they said his seat is safe until Hungary this year. Oh. Hungary. <laughs> when he's fasting, his seat is safe until Hungary. He was just with there going, don't fuck off. <laughs> I can't believe he was fasting for the race, was he? What well, about his hydration no level? Well, exactly. And I do know that under under Islamic law, you are allowed to take a day off if you've got something to do as long as you make up for it well, later. Well, Formula 1 is baked into the Quran, so it's... <laughs> it, I, but yeah, if, if, if you've got something that you need to do, like for your job, or I know that athletes at the Olympics had similar things as well, you know, you, you can go to an imam and say, uh, I'd like to not fast on this day, but I'll make up for it later, and that's usually fine, so... As well. the great Muhammad Ali once said, <laughs> float like a butterfly, sting oh, a bit peckish. <laughs> <laughs> Azerbaijan is coming up imminently and to whet your appetite and as always we have our predictions let's go through the standings yes uh, a quick uh, recap for any new listeners of which I'm sure we have many thousands this is our Grand Prix Predictor League our fancy F1 league uh, where you can go on the internet and say who's going to win who's going to come in the top 10 who's going to get the fastest lap and you can battle us battle our combined knowledge Good luck. It's, it's not combined because we are Battle our distinctly average knowledge uh, and win yourself internet bragging points and nothing more. Let's look at the uh, overall standings. Currently still in the lead is still, Chica, your your man, Mr. Tom Young. Somehow is drink driving with Pastor Team, 395 points. He's still winning. I don't know how he's doing I that. He's got a massive... He's got, uh, I've called it a Rosbergian margin, but now that Rosberg's margin is tiny... Uh, I mean, to yes. me, he's got an 80-point lead. And like my best it? result has been like 25 points for a race. <laughs> I don't know how he's I, I wish it. I knew. Okay, I've been trying to copy him as well, but he's you must, quite possessive. I mean, favorite. how much does, do you love each other? Because surely you should be sharing passwords by now. It's a lot less. It's a lot less <laughs> since this. Well, he's winning anyway with 395 points. In second place is Tim Nichols with Capthrow is Anonymous, uh, 315 points. Third place is the M4 racing team, that's Marcus Niskanen on 311. In fourth is John Armour's Team Saigon, 309 points. Tom Clark's Defender F1 in fifth on 290. Sixth, the Lynch Mob Mark V, James Lynch on 289. And seven, Diablo F1, Nacho Villas on 284. And then in eighth is our very own yes! Team Pussywagon, Chica Ayers. Yes! Go Chica! 269 points. In the top ten. Yeah, this He's is... Uh, this is. Splendid work. Yeah, How was you? Uh, like a full, you're like Perez. You, uh, you have risen a place. You were ninth last time. Thank you. What's your secret? I'm not like Perez. You're like so Perez. Than Perez. In 18th place is me, Phil Tromans, Tindak Racing, 235 points. And where am I? You are now just four points behind me, Terry Saunders, with your LucasAids watch team uh, on 224. You're pretty close. It's getting yeah. better. I mean, if we look at the, the results, for you. if we look at the results for this race, we find that um, who my, my wife has done better than all of us. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Tromans, Milferama Motorsport, 19th in the race with 52 points. But if we go up to the top performers from the Canadian Grand Prix, we find Razvan Philip, the pride of what flag's that? Romania. 
Pride of Romania, Romania with his team focusing on next year's car. Great team name, great team name. There are some, I'm going to read more of these actually because there's some good team names that maybe started too late to have any impact in the championship but are doing well in the races. Adam Graham in second, 67 points, get that McLaren out of the way. Good name. Giles Mann, GWBM. It's not, it's not a good name, Giles, sorry. Presume that's your initials. 67 points. It's good. Yeah. You've done well anyway. Nick Stahl, Zoom Along Racing, 65 points. <laughs> this is Zoom Along Racing. I would pay money to sponsor the Zoom Along. And it's the Zoom Along car coming up the inside. Uh, John Arnes, Team Saigon on 65. 64 points. Jack Story's Jars Racing. John's Team Saigon mentioned us in a comment on Facebook in the last couple of weeks saying that because we had a bit of a a ribbing at him for liking the musical <laughs> Miss Saigon and apparently he just lives in Saigon that's why oh, really? that's why he likes musicals then we, then we will way. allow it now I reckon actually the more I look at it it's spelt Jas J-A-A-S I wonder if it's you like a Spanish well I do wonder yes. if it's a Spanish pronunciation of Jas racing yes. anyway he's got 64 points Jack Story well done in 7th in the race uh, 60 points uh, Dion Q from Singapore with single bike clutch I bet you love that name don't you Dion Q. <laughs> Single bike clutch. Because you understand what that means. Oh, well, it's... Well, I mean, in fairness to him, if we're going to get technical, pretty much every clutch has a single bite. If you want more than one bite point, you need more than one clutch. That's too many characters with a team name. <laughs> anyway, he's got 60 points. He was in seventh place in the race. Well done, Dion. When did we come? We're not on the main page, and I haven't got internet connection, so I can't flick to the next one. Oh, but we were way off. I believe I did the worst of all of us from memory. And I think Chica did the best. Well, which would logically suggest okay. that you were somewhere in the middle. Okay, excuse me. Um, well, thank you, Phil, for that. If uh, Remember, you can still join our league. The link is on our website. We'll be back within the week for the review of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. In Europe, although we might not be by then. No, we still will be by then, yes. What? There's a referendum. Chica, you're the young... Have you registered? Of course I've registered. Because it's your generation that could... Turn this. I'm not that much younger than you. If, look, you everyone, if you're listening and you like Formula One, just vote Remain <laughs> or, or, or Brexit if you like. But Remain <laughs> is probably best. We're not a political podcast, but Jesus Christ, I'm scared. Vote Pedro, for God's sake. Yes. Also, fuck Lufthansa. If you want Azerbaijan to be in the European Grand Prix, vote Remain. Do you want foreign Grand Prix coming over to Silverstone? <laughs> Take it <laughs> Putting in castles at Beckett. <laughs> we are so off topic now. You're off topic. The whole damn system's off topic. You bloody young people. You don't care about democracy. Fuck Lufthansa. Just sport and drinking. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.